BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As we turn the calendar to May, pre-draft best ball season is finally over. With Best Ball Mania 4 already 2% full, it's crucial we understand the impacts of the draft on both rookie and veteran values. We're here today to break it all down. Let's go. This is ADP Chasing. Pat Fryer Helmo. <laughs> this is what? This is what? I'm hot. Anita Hanjob. Fix your sight. Jamar. <laughs> Alpha play chase. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Canarius Tony? You can't handle the heat. He looks like we're finally at this point. You're right. <laughs> hey, everybody. Uh, welcome to the first post draft version of ADP Chasing. Uh, Pat Davis, how were your draft weekends? Good. Deuce Vaughn got selected. That was the only, that was really my, my primary rooting interest. And he got selected to a team where he might even play. So even honestly, even better, beautiful stuff. And Kansas city didn't take Jameer Gibbs, which was really, I was actually the number one rooting interest. <laughs> I think they would have been uh, what a, what a fall they would have gotten. What a steal <laughs> to get. I, if he was, I mean, apparently there were rumors even that Carolina actually did that trade up just to secure the services of Jameer Jameer Gibbs and they actually changed their mind at the last minute deciding to go with uh, the less premium position uh, of, of the Texans young. as well. Apparently the Texans considered taking Gibbs and then trading up for Anderson, but decided yeah. that, uh, yeah. Ownership got in the way of that one. I heard. <laughs> but yeah, we were talking about it before the Deuce Vaughn, uh, the clip of Deuce Vaughn's dad uh, calling in the pick for the Cowboys. That was, that was cool. People haven't seen that. That was, that was pretty awesome. He's like, yeah, uh, as if we needed more reasons to root for Deuce Vaughn. Yeah. What is his dad? Like a scout or something on the, he, he's some affiliation with the, the yeah, Cowboys I forget what now. he, what he does for the Cowboys, but he, he works for them. He was in the room. It's pretty sweet. Was your guys's biggest moment of the draft, figuring out just how expensive Rasheed Rice was going to get in drafts. Cause as of right now, he's about a hundred percent discount on 2018 McCall Hardman and 2022 Sky Moore. He's, he's, he's like 180 right now. So um, yeah, that's not going to hold. I mean, if you want to draft him, you got to do it now. So I set up my rankings to um, be kind of capped by by how much um, they can be ahead of ADP, basically. Mm -hmm. And but like the real rank for Rice is, I think, in like the twelfth round range. So. I think he's got. I mean, a it's lot it's big. It's rise. big. Uh, Tobias Funke marriage counseling energy. Right? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. 
like taking the rookie Chiefs wide receiver didn't work out for those other people, but it might work out for us. Never, it never works out. <laughs> Got to triple down on that strategy. I mean, uh, it feels like I, he's a second round pick. He wasn't. He's not a good prospect. He's not a terrible prospect. I don't know. I do. I actually do think that Tobias Buchanan's strategy in this case is correct. Yeah, he should just continue. I mean, look. I mean, obviously, in retrospect, and even at the time, for some people who aren't me. Chasing Sky Moore up to where he was going last year wasn't good, but uh, we don't have to do that with Rice. Like Rice, we can, you know, if you're getting him like the 13th round, great, you know, and and that's obviously quite a bit higher than he is right well, now. Well, if if the market if the market is more um, rational, right? Like there just was no point where people like people would have taken Sky Moore in the sixth round last year if if they needed to. It would have just gotten to that spot. So if people are are more rational, then yeah then yeah, then maybe it's an exploitative way to play. I think they will stay more rational because Rice just isn't as exciting of a prospect. His name isn't Sky. He, so he had like, no, that's a big part of it yeah, too. Not the sickest fucking name you've ever heard. Right. He had almost no hype in the pre-draft stuff as well, at least for like best ball. Maybe some deep dynasty people were on him, but I don't know. Like, I didn't see really. Shit. I mean, yeah. He wasn't even like one of the names that people, he was just fine. He was fine. Yeah. I so want anyways, to say he didn't even get picked in my rookie draft that I did before the draft. It doesn't surprise yeah. me, honestly. But um, the four, the four oh seven was where he went in the pre-draft yeah. one. Because he didn't really have any traits that like he wasn't. He's not huge. He's not super fast. Like he didn't really do anything like efficiency wise. That's like there's no like real reason to be. I don't know. Let me know if you know of any Rishi Rice uh, truthers, but. Yeah, I, I got a message from one of my buddies who's a big college football DFS. Uh, he, he works for Rotor Grinders, Fear My Turtle, like huge DFS grinder. And he was the one person who messaged me being excited. He was like, he's actually going to be good. So, All right. Yeah, I have him, I think, in like the 11th round. If Like if the market thought he was an 11th round pick, I would have him in the 11th round in my yeah. round. Yeah. We'll, we'll get into Rice a little bit more. Um, so just, just to set the the sort of... Uh, outline for the show we're gonna focus today pretty exclusively on the rookie and veteran risers and fallers so we split them out here on this chart to just show the rookie risers um and yeah we'll get into all these players but guys that jump out right away uh mingo obviously seeing a huge rise Bijan, kincaid gibbs richardson rasheed rice laporta all all up uh, around 20% in ADP, which is a huge jump. And the one thing that's interesting before we get into the ind- individual players is, so if you look at these percent change in ADPs uh, for the rookie risers, you see like a total of 10 guys that are above a 15% increase in ADP. Then if you look at the the, the rookie fallers, there's only five um rookies that meet that same criteria for falling so only five rookies fell by more than 15 percent in adp so i think it does show you a little bit that these rookies in pre-draft even even in today's landscape where i think people are on to the rookies in pre-draft stuff there's still a little bit of an asymmetric upside bet where there's more potential for huge increases in their adp than necessarily huge falls and and some of these falls that jump out here like jsn and quinton johnston um, I'm actually skeptical that they'll remain fallers in the long term. We'll, we'll see sort of how the Hyatt Hyatt is going to see. I mean, this is microanalysis, yeah. but Hyatt's going to see a big bump pretty soon. Yeah. Why? Why do you think that? I think he typecasts as like a day one starter, right? 
The Giants are do have a pretty. I have a, I have a different read on that. But you think they, you think they're going? You think they're going Slayton, Campbell, Wandale? I don't know. Uh, I mean, it's just Hodgins. it's just Hodgins is starting. Yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, the, he's Isaiah Hodgins, dude. He's like no, I know, I know. But I mean, also, they they yeah. took him in the third round, like. And actually, I went I went and watched that press conference, and they asked um, Shane Joe Shane straight up, like, would you have taken Hyatt where you took the guy that you previously took? I think it was at the very end of the second round. And he was like, we really like Hyatt. <laughs> it was something like that. Like he, they had a, I think they had dude, a third your round. Hand, you, your hand is in the fucking dirt right now, dude. <laughs> like, my God. This is Joe Shane press conference takes. <laughs> what a valuable fun. asset you are, Karen. <laughs> I've been loving, I've been loving your tweets on the, the press conference stuff. I, the, the context, I of how the GMs view the players. Those have been, those have been super here's interesting. What, here's what I'll say. I mean, like, remember when Dan Campbell got hired and everyone was like freaking out about what a caveman idiot he was? Um, I had to do the Lions uh write up for Rotor World that year, and I went and watched the whole press not the whole thing because it was like an hour long, but I went and watched like that clip and some other clips. And I came away being like, This dude's the man, like, the, he's like, he's like super passionate, like, he's clearly like the kneecap things kind of kind of funny but then he was like talking about like player empowerment how he like wants to have this like the type of team that he wants to build the type of culture he wants to build like how influenced he was by sean payton so i actually think the the press conferences are a legit it you know we're all going to be influenced by various narratives and stuff and it's just one more version of that but at least it's like going to the source to find your narrative so I, i i kind of enjoy it that's fair it's better than just basing your narratives off of uh, hype on Twitter that you see from from random right. analysts. Right, that's clearly the GTO way to draft. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the the Hyatt stuff. I, I, I want to get into that. Let's start with the risers, though. Uh, the first name that pops up in this chart here as sort of by far and away the largest riser in terms of raw change in ADP, uh, Jonathan Mingo who got day two draft capital from the Panthers jumps early up to pick two as well. Early day two, early day two. Yeah. What was it? Uh, 30, th- 39. Uh, the Higgins. I, I, I just want to, yeah. I, I want to get out of the way here. I want to flag plan here. No, no Mingo for me. I, I just bad. It's like, it's every argument that we made when Sam was trying to get us to buy Adam Thielen also applies to Mingo. It's like low volume offense, most likely, not going to be productive. Bryce Young is going to, I like I, my projection for Bryce Young would, would be that he comes in as a sub league average quarterback. And me, I mean, Crane can speak more to this than I can, but like the production profile for Mingo is like atrocious. It, it, it really is a case. And we were saying this before in our shows leading up to the draft, we were saying guys like Tillman guys like Quentin Johnson, they were just the fact that they were boundary wide receivers was going to push them way up and i i think that is what happened with mingo well i'm actually i agree with your overall assessment of mingo and why he got drafted where he did but i don't want to be out on him and i especially don't want to be out on him right now because i think this is the type of player that's going to continue to rise in drafts he's going to rise through training camp there are going to be reports about how they see him as the clear number one right out of the gate you're going to hear that because they just took him in the very early second round of course they're going to say that it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to come to pass. But I also think you do have a prospect profile that looks pretty similar to Michael Pittman's. And you have the same coaching staff that just fed Michael Pittman targets in a way that felt strange. So I think, I mean, 
yeah, he's he doesn't really do the production stuff we want, but he went to Ole Miss. He's really big. He's super athletic. He's like giant hands. Like the guy like feeding this dude targets seems like a viable option. I, like, I, I would have been really with that. I would have been really into Jonathan Mingo like 2015, like like the beginnings of the Rotoviz era. I would have been like, yeah, this is my guy. So, so I, I think, yeah, I think we're all into Mingo like at 170. I, I guess the better yeah, question. I'm, what I'm saying is I'm into Mingo in the basically like the 11th round. Like, give me okay, so the, that, that was my follow-up question is, is how far you're willing to chase him. Not up. for you're, me. You're saying to like, you know, pick 120-ish, you're willing to take him up to there. Yeah, because so I, if you go to the, what was he drafted? Was it 34? Was this 39, 39. Um, so, okay. So Rodovich screener uh, or the, the box score scout rather um, with pick 39. Um, it's not loading, but his, his comps are like Pittman chase Claypool Debo Samuel. Like it's all the second round uh, uh, Muhammad uh, Massaquai Massaquai. Oh, wow. Remember him. That's a throwback. Uh, Cody Latimer. Josh Palmer, so not not all great. T. Higgins is in there, so I don't know. I mean, he's kind of like. Here's what I'll say about Mingo. I don't want to. I do not want to take him in the eighth round, you know, or the ninth yeah. round. I really don't want to take him there. So, but how is this going to go? I don't think it's going to go that he's like buried on the depth. New coaching staff comes in, takes this guy very early in the second round to pair with their rookie quarterback. And they have a history. I mean, Michael Pittman ran a route on like 100% of dropbacks, like the entire time he was he was in, you know, with Reich. So I'm just, they kind of have a type. This guy's like literally secondized comp is Michael Pittman. So yeah. my thing is like, let's get exposure now, while it's still like the. I don't. I don't have any. I don't have any problem with that thesis. I have a problem with chasing him up. So like, I was just looking at the ADP, and these are some guys. I'm for sure taking like 10 times out of 10 over Mingo. Elijah Moore already looking like Elijah Moore is probably going to be my biggest bet at wide receiver this year. Um, and we can get more into that at some point. Uh, Bateman going to be betting on him pretty hard. I think. I like uh, yeah. Jordan I'm Addison. I mean, yeah. Jordan Addison right now is wide receiver 43. This is oh, like, Addison I, should be going in like the seventies. Yeah, I mean, I'm just we'll looking at, I'm just looking at the higher. ADP. Right now, I'll probably would take Sky Moore ahead of Jonathan Mingo. Just mm. Martin Galing there. I'd I'd hate to lose that. I even think guys like Tyler Boyd, Darnell Mooney, like some of these guys. I like I want to bet one. I want to bet on Boyd staying healthy for 17 games, and then Mooney, because I've done I've done four BBMs already, and this is where I've I've realized a lot of the times at that point in the draft. I'm looking for a little bit of spike week at wide receiver because I greatly prefer taking elite tight end. And that's a bigger discussion anyway. But Mooney feels like such a good bet on fields and the Bears like becoming one of these offenses that you'd be like, shit, I didn't have enough bear sacks. Like I feel like I'm drawing dead. It's funny. I have Mooney ranked one spot behind Mingo on my pure my pure rank. So I don't have I don't have any issues with. I mean, I get it. I I get it. Yeah. I'm I'm not like I I get your position. I just am thinking like that's probably not going to be the way I'm going to draft him. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm yeah, with just... you, Davis, on on most of those names that you said. I think once you get into the Boyd, Mooney, Sky Moore, I think that's where I think I'm probably taking Mingo at least some of the time over those guys. But yeah, the, the first I have of names... I have Boyd ranked ahead. Um, so I I don't really disagree. But I guess I just like get him while he's on the way up. 
chase him yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. He's gonna go high. I think we're all accurate and like we're all right in saying he's gonna go thirty. He's this rise isn't over. He's gonna go. No, no. I'd say minimum he'll go up to one forty. <laughs> you know who else's rise is not over, Sam? Bijan Robinson's rise is not over. <laughs> let me let me tell you that much. I I can tell the thirst mongers on underdog.com. My let's let's this is a fun game. What do we think his August thirtieth ADP is? I I wager his adp ends up ahead of travis kelsey by i i agree with you yeah that's the first name i because i i have him seven already so i don't think he's gonna be you know but i so i yeah i think he's probably the 106 i think he's like the 104 so okay so it's jefferson and then who are the other it's 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 jefferson it's jefferson mccaffrey chase then Bijan. So head of Hill. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're probably right. Doesn't seem crazy. I mean, yeah, I don't see how things go negative for him. How could you – what other team could you have rationally projected to take him where you would have liked his odds of having a 350-point season more? I I think in terms of rational teams that could have taken him, I, I think this was the nut spot for him 100 i was also just i was watching the batch bros right before this and they were talking about how the levis pick by the titans gives the falcons another chance to go get Tannehill. it's 100 100 so i mean if if Tannehill's the quarterback here instead of ritter and we don't have to like sweat like this offense being horrendous potentially probably, probably makes them like two See, points per game better yeah. as a team yeah. or something that's that's the fear i think is that like you know, what we saw with Baker last year for CMC before they both moved on from that situation in Carolina. I think that's the fear with Bijan is that the systemic just absolute failure of the offense like right. prevents Bijan from getting to his and he'll still be good in that situation. Like he'll still get a crazy high snap share, he'll still have a good season, but he might not be worth a mid first round pick if the offense is really bad. And I think it's entirely plausible that the offense is that bad with Ritter. So yeah. I, I wouldn't go completely overboard on him if he is like the 106 to 8. I think that's well, I like would, a fair price. I, I, but... I would also say Heineke can like be a to- non-total disaster. Like if Ritter, like if Ritter's truly a disaster, like they can't score at all. And they go like Heineke's not good. Heineke is like a D minus NFL quarterback, but like he can he can but get he's not an F. He's not an F. He's not an F. And Ritter might be an F. Sure. There's yeah, there's a solid backup option, but it's still like yeah. what bought project for bottom four worst quarterback play in the NFL with their quarterback room. Like it's gotta be, yeah, it's gotta be bottom but five. There is sort of a thing with Bijan, and I this goes to Davis's point about like this being the best landing spot, is that they're gonna run a ton, so he's gonna get used like a traditional running back. He's he and their offensive like line. Their offensive line is really good. And we want dump offs. We don't want that efficient of quarterback play. We want a guy who goes, Oh crap. Couldn't couldn't read the defense again, <laughs> dumping it off to Bijan. And the, great. the 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 like justification, say, and we're gonna get to Gibbs too. But like the justification from the people that took him or has already begun. You know, like the the oh, actually, we view him as like he can do X, Y, and Z, and he can be wide receiver and he can catch passes. It, I mean, this the justification from the regime like kept Saquon Barkley getting 18 touches a game when he just looked like dog shit. You know, like there's just there's no plausible scenario where he's not getting the ball. 
Yeah, and I think there's something to be said, and I probably need to look into this more, but when teams lack good depth at wide receiver and tight end, I think that can be a pretty big boost for the running back in terms of pass catching. Like I'm thinking last year, like the Jags, I think part of the reason why ETN doesn't catch so many passes is they have Ingram, they have Zay Jones, they have Christian Kirk, they have even, you know, Marvin Jones is in a terrible third wide receiver. Like there's just a lot of mouths to feed in that passing offense. And as a result, ETN, who might be a decent pass catcher, just doesn't catch passes. For Atlanta, you have Pitts, London, end of sentence. Like who else is going to command any any target share? <laughs> like in that, You're not a Marvin that offense. Hall guy? Yeah. <laughs> like Elamidi, Zacchaeus. Uh, I, I don't know. Like it's you know, Johnny Smith, there, there's no one. So there's no, I one. think from a, from a target share perspective, it's, it's like a pretty uh, awesome landing spot for Bijan. The question is, you know, what's a uh, 15% target share worth when Arthur Smith is passing five times uh, per week, but uh, we'll see about I mean, that. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> but it's still, it's still exciting. I'll take the L on the, you know, Bijan's going to have a bad landing spot. Um, take. We told you then. We told you then he was going to I, the Falcons. I, I got to be honest. I was. I had that take, and I was still drafting him a decent bit. I had like even Sam didn't believe his take. I didn't believe because the 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 take. cost of getting My that wrong in, in those early drafts is just like because he's just going to get the ball so much. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, it was. But, it, I, I think like it could have gone wrong, but like ultimately. The argument you guys made where his floor, even if you got like the page, the Patriots are probably like the one, the not worst landing spot. That where he, well, the Bear, I think the Bears were. Yeah, yeah there were Bears. There were, some land, there were definitely some landmines, but like, yeah. yeah, um, it was certainly a good pick at you know early second or whenever he was going down to the big board. Let's talk Kincaid. Um, he's up pretty massively. He was a guy I took a I took a stand on the rookie tight ends just basically based on this logic that hey. Like we have the Cowboys, we have the Bengals, mm -hmm. we have all these teams where we're going to love the landing spot. I actually wasn't even thinking about the Bills, um, but clearly the market does love this Bills landing spot. He's up 50 spots to pick 147. Uh, Pat, what are your, I know we talked a little bit about Kincaid on the draft show, but uh, what are your thoughts on how Kincaid fits into the Bills offense? And does he, you know, with Knox in the picture, uh, do you think he has a ceiling uh, at, at tight end? I think he's going around tight end 15-ish now. Let me check on that. But This is insane, still... dude. People have lost their minds. Yeah, tight end 16 right now. Like Laporta is going to straight up outscore Dalton Kincaid, and he's going, he's like the tight end 29 <laughs> when I drafted this morning. Yeah, it does. It's like kind of, I want to be excited about Kincaid because like, what are we really playing for when we take a tight end, you know, in kind of the double digit rounds? It's like you kind of just want him to score a touchdown in the fantasy playoffs. Like you, you know, and yeah, I dropped Albert, a lot of, Albert O scored 13 points in week 17 famously. Don't forget. He was a great pick. I, I like taking early tight ends. I like taking elite tight ends. So Same. you know, especially in those builds, like, you know, I don't really like need a ton from this guy, except in the fantasy playoffs, he he could be extremely important. And then if you're going three tight ends, I think he makes sense to mix in. So I kind of, I kind of get it. I just, to me, he strikes me as like he's, he has the profile of someone who should be like a 14th round pick or lower because I do think he could really, really struggle to give you much out of the gate. And the reason I say that is because Daw Dawson Knox 
has been a, a staple of that offense. He's run a ton of routes over the years. He plays in line. Uh, they have him under contract, like not just this year, but next year. Like he's not going anywhere. And I think they trust him. And so you're getting like the big slot move tight end guy, but his routes, I mean, he could run, he could have a route rate of like 45% yeah. for much of the year. It's what if Dalton Kincaid like, is just Isaiah likely? That's that's a realistic like year one projection. And that's the thing is that I'm with you, Pat, that I want to be excited about Kincaid. I think you can even make the argument that like, hey, he's just on the Bills offense. We're going to project the Bills to score, you know, top three touchdowns in the NFL this year. Just give me the tight end and the team that's going to score a shit ton of touchdowns. And I think I think that's a fine argument to make. The thing is for me, I just think from like when you're looking at tight ends from Kincaid through like Laporta and I have players in that range that I like a little bit more, like a little bit less, but tight end just gets so flat in that like tight end 15 to tight end 24 range. Like I can make a case about Luke Musgrave back there. I can make a case about Trey McBride. It can even make a case about grosser veterans like Hayden Hurst and Hunter Henry. Like surely I want Kincaid over those guys, but like it's just such a flat tier. And if there's opportunity cost at quarterback, running back wide receiver, when you have to take Kincaid in like the one thirties, I'm probably just going to have less of him because there's plenty of tight ends you can get 60 picks later. Like, for instance, Laporta, if this holds, like, I think the Laporta bet is very similar to the Kincaid bet, but it's 50 picks. There's uh, a 50 right spot. Now. There's a 50 spot spread, and I would take Laporta. Like, I think Laporta scores more points year one. I, I, yeah, I think Laporta yeah. might be a better bet. I think he is know? too. Yeah. Uh, I think Laporta was a very strong prospect before the draft, in my opinion. And to get that Same. really high draft capital, I mean, the other thing about Laporta is, just like Kincaid is a really nice fit for what the Bills are looking to do because he's a seam stretcher. He's a big slot seam stretcher. It's like, man, he landed with Josh Allen. Like, what could be better than that? But Laporta is an underneath target who adds after the catch. I mean, landing with the Lions is like the nut landing spot for him, especially they have they have no one at tight end. Like, no one. He could he could play right away. My issue with Laporta is he, he like, really sucks at blocking. And so mm-hmm. I do think there's downside risk where he just doesn't play much this yeah, year. But I- he... He has a pretty big ceiling, I think, is a is like a, a, a fun yards after catch guy who sees targets. Yeah, but what both of them have working in their favor is I think both the Bills and the Lions have pretty weak depth at both like slot wide receiver or wide receiver three, um, and tight end. More so obviously the Lions and the Bills there, but I think that at least guarantees that both these guys have some kind of role out of the game. Well, I think Laporta has like no competition. I think his competition is himself. Like if he's bad, he's not going to play. Right. But, yeah. yeah. But right. Kincaid, Kincaid has. I mean, obviously, like I don't think Dawson Knox is going to go to the bench for him. So it's really about Shakir and Deontay Hardy. Hardy, and also fading, you know, Jarvis Landry or like that. They bring in the Buffalo or Bills or Hopkins or Hopkins. Right. The Bills bring in that guy. I mean, the Bills have brought in a veteran wide receiver every year of Josh Allen's career, like late on in the process. Hopkins would be a real problem for him. Cause like now it's like, are you playing Gabe Davis or are you playing? Cause is it Hopkins and Diggs outside? And you've got like a two tight yeah. end set with Kincaid and Knox, that, or is it, I'm, which it wouldn't, it would not surprise me if Gabe Davis found more of the bench this year. I mean, he was it, very it, it bad wouldn't. last year. But the odds of Kincaid being like a better pass catcher than Gabe Davis, I know we've kind of knocked Gabe Davis. He didn't have a great season, but like he's still a wide receiver. He's still probably better sure. than a rookie tight end as a pure pass sure. catcher. 
Yeah, it's so, also the element of of speed. Like if you have Hopkins and Diggs on the field, those aren't two guys that are going to blow by anyone at this point in their careers. Like you probably want more speed on the field. Like the offense, yeah, pretty congested and on the perimeter. Yeah, exactly. So Kincaid out there with those two guys to me. I mean, actually, Kincaid didn't run a forty. I guess we don't know how fast he is, but that that seems like things get pretty. I didn't think he was going to go in the first round. It it feels like such a red flag for a tight end not to test at all. I I was surprised when I was very surprised when he went ahead of Meyer. Yeah, I was surprised by that too. Um, yeah, my, where are you guys at in Meyer? He's not on this chart, but I think l- while we're on the rookie tight ends, um, I guess how same, do you same same thesis for him as Laporta? He comes in okay. with like basically if he's good, there's no one that's going to keep him on the bench. Um, but if he's bad, they'll just have a blocking tight end play and use Jacoby Myers and Hunter Renfro. So the the Hooper Gerald dream is dead for Austin Hooper. Oh, yeah. uh, it's, it's Hooper. Uh, Hooper, yeah. Hooper got less money than <laughs> Hooper got less money than first place of Best Ball Mania Four. You forgot yeah. the thing with the the Ertz Gerald thesis is that the, he had to once we had to once score fantasy points. Right? Oh, was, he, come on, he did once. He had one. It's true. He did have the Falcons here, but it was so long ago. Uh, yeah, I I like Mayor. I have him one spot ahead of Laporta. Um, I think it's it is very similar, but like he is a good blocker. And so I think the the like the bottom falls out because he he can't get on the field scenarios are less likely with Mayor than with Laporta. Yeah. Yep. I think Oh, just, breaking just... breaking news. I, I just we gotta do this before we get deeper into the show. The Chiefs mm-hmm. are expected to sign running back Jarek McKinnon per rap sheet. God, I can't believe Veach, I have CH bags to mourn now. Veach, Veach, <laughs> Je- Veach just said this right now, like literally like 60 right. seconds ago. I, I was take, I was kind of flipping a coin and taking a decent clip of both McKinnon and CEH. I, I just felt like there was a good chance McKinnon would be back. But yeah, so what do we think? Uh, like basically the same thing as last year, like uh, Pacheco 100%. and McKinnon splitting with CEH as the reserve ch ch probably starts the year playing more because they like to keep mckinnon i i literally think it will just be copy and paste what happened last year mckinnon will get in there a little bit to get his sea legs underneath him and then week 10 or so they'll start to play him a lot more mm-hmm. so where do you think mckinnon is fair value round 14 Ooh. yeah i was gonna say pick Ish. one 130. I mean, I take him. I'm just looking at ADP right now. I take him over like Donta Foreman, Antonio Gibson. Have, have you guys experienced this though? That because it's May 1st and we like, you know, so many guys are unsigned and Dalvin Cook contract, like running back just gets so disgusting after about, about like where James Connor goes, like running back 28. You get there and you're like, Jesus Christ, I don't want to click any of these names at all. Like, I don't want to. I, no, like, and obviously, loads of these guys are going to be relevant. Loads of these guys are going to have spike weeks, but we're just so far away from the beginning of the season that it's so uncertain. I'm with it you. Is, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think uh, one thing Leone talked about in his best ball manifesto is that zero running back teams they actually didn't do better early in the draft season. It was like when you're drafting later, zero running back was actually slightly outperforming. I totally I believe. believe that. And it actually makes sense when you think about it, when you consider how important it is not to have dead roster spots on these best yep. ball teams when you get to the playoffs, you're way more likely to have dead roster spots if you go to your running back now 
If, if, yeah. At running back right I now, it's like personal experience. I can confirm. I just took Leonard Fournette on two teams already. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm taking Fournette. I'm taking him. And I'm if taking I'm taking Fournette, too. I mean that tells you a lot. Although the the nut Fournette landing spot just closed up. If they are just in fact re-signing up. McKinnon, that that would have been one of his outs. Well, the biggest out is they cut Mixon and, and add Fournette. Feels like that's not happening. Feels like the Bengals are just going into the season with Joe Mixon and a bunch of fifth-round rookies and just letting whatever happens, happens. But what might happen is that he gets suspended. Can you cut it? Can you cut a guy's salary if they're suspended? I'm not sure. Isn't that like one of the theories is that they're waiting on that because they don't want to cut him now because if he does get suspended, then they can save even more money. Like that does need, feel pretty Bengals, right? Like the Bengals we need Hayden. Hayden would know the answer to yeah, this. Yeah, we need Hayden, Hayden in the chat so we don't just speculate on NFL rules. But yeah. Aren't the Bengals um, owners like famously cheap as well? I mean, this they're does very seem cheap. Like, yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. So um, they're waiting for that suspension. They're definitely waiting for it. <laughs> There's a couple a couple more really high-profile guys to talk through here. Uh, let's hit on on Gibbs first. Obviously, Wait, we, yeah. We, what, you, well, what does this do to Pacheco? Um, I think the thesis remains the same. They were always going to do something on passing downs, whether it be Clyde, whether it be McKinnon, whether it be signing someone. I think the Pacheco thesis remains largely unchanged. Yeah, I, I, I think, think it drops a bit, but nothing crazy. Like, would I you have Pacheco yeah. or James Cook, or Pacheco or James Conner? Pacheco. I, I, I'll, although Cook and Harris, Cook and Harris, I actually kind of like drafting them as a tandem a little bit. Mm. Um, like they both seem, they both seem fine. Yeah, this seems like sort of the median outcome in terms of competition that Kansas City was going to add. I mean, I think there was a possibility they added someone in the draft, which would have been worse for Pacheco or Swift, right? If they were the Swift yeah, team, then Pacheco the was like team, real yeah. dusty. Who do you think they were looking at? Because they clearly were like, let's wait and sign Jarek after the draft. But there must have been someone. I what mean, if it was Gibbs? What, it might I was, Gibbs. what if they wanted? What if they wanted the small RB? What if? Deuce what if, if they wanted Deuce? What if they? What if they were like, all right, seventh round, no one else will want him. Let's just take him. Dude, this is the most Davismatic thing ever. That Deuce Vaughn not only went to the Cowboys, but the Cowboys sniped the Chiefs. Sniped him from him. the Chiefs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think. think honestly, I think. Yeah. Uh, I, I think they did probably want Gibbs, to be honest. I think so, too. Yeah. Yeah. I think the key to th- to figuring out Pacheco, McKinnon, is figuring out if the playoff stuff was truly McKinnon getting benched or was he hurt and it was, like, not reported. Zero percent. I think the re-signing says it's zero percent chance it was benching and a hundred percent chance that he was banged up. To me, it always seemed That's like he logical. Was, that had to be the reason why. So... I don't, Those I, legs I, were dead again. The guy's been battling dead, <laughs> dead legs for like I lost, three years. I lost the 220 to one same game parlay on the Super Bowl when McKinnon went down on the one yard line instead of scoring. McKinnon anytime touchdown was the last leg. No big deal. It's fine. Yeah. By the way, not, all right. So let's not, let's talk about Gibbs. Let's talk about okay, Gibbs because I think Gibbs is your classic. You can't make him go high enough, where I won't take him type guy because. Swift, when he played this role, was awesome. When Swift was playing 70% of the snaps, even even before the Lions were even good, like back in like 2020 and stuff, he was crushing. And clearly what happened, they just hated him. They just, they like every day Dan Campbell and Deuce Staley came into work and they were like, I cannot believe we got to deal with this guy's shit more. 
Like they, they wanted him to be this in between the, t- I think Kevin Cole pulled some quotes from hard knocks where Deuce Daly was like, you got to just do this. And, and basically Swift was like, no, I won't. I'm not, I won't <laughs> like, I don't want to do that. You know? And they, they, they now feel, I by think the way, they- Deandre Swift, way better running back than Deuce Daly. I'm sorry, Deuce, but come on, let the, let the man do his thing. He's, sure. He's, I mean, that, that's my, that, no, that's my theory. That's my theory too. And and clearly they just have this organizational buy-in with Jameer Gibbs that like okay this is going to be the guy who does all the things they want and David Montgomery is now just fancy Jamal Williams you know he's just Jamal Williams on a three-year contract or whatever his role well, I don't think will you know and and really I think the big takeaway will just be we're not going to see any Justin Jackson Craig Reynolds stuff unless things really start to go haywire I think there's so much meat on the bone for Gibbs yeah I mean. I think I largely, I mean, he's already, number one, I think he's already pretty, pretty up there. It's a pretty big jump. He's at pick 45. I think if I'm just looking at running back positional rankings of the guys that currently go ahead of him, I'd probably take him over Najee. I'd probably take him over Kenneth Walker. That might be it. I don't think I'm taking him over like Ramon. I have him well over those guys. I mean, part of it is that I'm way below market on both those guys. I think Kenneth, yeah. I can think Kenneth Walker should be like in the fifth round. Yeah. I, I, yeah. But then like, are you taking him over like Ramondre, Jacobs, Brees, like those guys? I, I think that's probably where no, I no. stop. Yeah. I, just, I just, said, I set the line at, at run. I'd put him. Oh, I guess I'm right about, I guess the thing is, is I'm never taking Chubb at ADP and Henry is not on oh. my board at all. Why don't you like so, Chubb at ADP? I, I'm hammering Chubb to be honest. Cause I like, cause I like, cause I like Pollard more and he's cheaper. Oh, I'm hammering. Well, I like Pollard more too, but Chubb is. I mean, they didn't add anybody as a pass catcher, and and I don't think they're bringing Hunt back. Whatever, I could be talked. I could be talked into him. I also think we're so it's May first, and Brees Hall. We haven't gotten the first report about oh he might not be ready for Week One. Yeah. The second, the second that Brees Hall, oh the knee is a little wonky. We're looking at like a, a Week Four return or something. You know, then Brees Hall will start to catapult down. I tweeted but, about Hall and. In- Two different Twitter doctors said they're super bullish. So for, take that for what it's worth. The thing about Hall is I he has so much upside, and I totally understand the thesis. It's just that Pollard, Jacobs, and Chubb all go right next to him. And like those guys to me, maybe, maybe like you could argue with Jacobs and Chubb, they don't have like the pass catching ceiling that Hall does. But I don't know. I think Pollard has an insane ceiling too, and he's right next to Hall. So for me, it's just like I don't have the injury concerns about hall than or about pollard than i do about hall maybe, maybe that's wrong in this like pollard broken leg thing i should be more concerned about but like that's just no i, I like, have pollard ranked above hall as well yeah but it's that's just like the mental tiebreaker yeah yeah and i got um, hall in the third round today i went Bijan waddle hall that seemed fun mm-hmm. that is so, fun okay like are you guys if we're all it sounds like we're all pretty high on gibbs what i'm trying to figure out is like does that mean we're all fading Montgomery at his price? Or do you think this is a situation where yeah, both? Oh, yeah. He's I'm he's at pick that. 70 right now. So you don't see it as a situation where both. This is not this is fixed. not Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon, like at all. I don't think. I think Montgomery Montgomery will have a couple touchdown related spike weeks, but I don't think we'll get any passing game usage, like hardly at all. Um, the more interesting conversation to me related to this is that I'm just like not gonna take DeAndre Swift. Like Maybe if he if he remains okay, I guess I shouldn't say that. If it's like DeAndre Swift settles at like running back twenty where he is right now, 
and it's like him or Miles Sanders or whatever, like maybe, but the, the, the comparison I've been making is, is it's like when uh, a formerly great NBA player becomes a veteran minimum guy, like Andre Drummond, like made a bunch of all-star games, double doubles like crazy. But once his teams decided he were done, he was done with them. He was a veteran minimum guy forever. And I think once a team gives up on you and is like, you're not, you're, you're too soft, whatever, whatever. And just gives you away for a fourth round pick. How often do you return to, to yeah. being like a bell cow role? Like, I guess he won't it happened. be a bell cow. He won't be a bell cow, but your bet is the offense is so efficient. It's like, what if Kenny Gainwell was dubbed like the, the starter? If they're like, we're starting Kenny Gainwell this year. Like, and they still had a Rashad Penny type, but like, that's what I, I that's essentially what Swift is, right? It's like, and he's yeah. a little bit bigger, but it's basically like our passing down guy is going to get enough. We're using our passing down guy in a DeAndre Swift role, but it's on the Eagles. So I don't know. It, his ADP feels fair. I actually had him slightly below ADP. Then I write, read uh, Pete's post. Pete's, and I Pete's post was good. Pete's post was really good, but what it made me want to do was was scoop the dip on Penny and Gainwell, not chase Swift up. Well, how how big do you think the dip is going to be on Penny? Because he seems to be holding pretty steady, right? Is he my guess is list? my guess is two weeks from now we're doing this on like May 14th or whatever, and he is like the running back 39 or something. Like he's like a pretty significant faller. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I, I don't know. Actually, it's a hard one for me to predict. I, so his price right now strikes me as a little too pricey. It's mostly what you said, Davis. It's like the Eagles didn't give up a lot to get him. It'd be like, you know, if we if the Eagles took a fourth round, some running back in the fourth round, that's what they traded to get Swift. Like, and we were just excited that's, about that. That's a back. lot. That's a lot to give for a guy who has one year left on his contract. You get you get a comp pick back. They're gonna get a fourth round comp pick back. Oh, yeah, it's, it's, mind. it's literally, it's, it's literally, it's their investment in him is no different than their investment in Rashad Penny and that it's basically nothing. Okay. Also, yeah, I didn't realize I, that. I think there's like a little, there's, there's clearly a little bit of a dynamic where the fantasy community is way higher in Swift than the NFL. That, is. This, and, and that, that's 100%. definitely true. That, and that also shows up in like, if you look at PFF grades, like Swift does not grade that well in those he's graded worse than Montgomery in those from the past couple of years. So like, you know, I, I can't explain exactly what's there's what that is capturing, but well, part think, of it is it's capturing his success rate sucks and he's yeah. not a good between the tackles runner. The, the NFL next gen success rate. He was fourth worst last year. James Robinson was worth then Kenneth uh, was worse. Kenneth Walker, second, Michael Carter, third to last swift. I, I last. got, I got one to throw out to you guys. If Miles Sanders had had something closer to his 2021 season instead of his 2022 season last year, or let's say he had like seven touchdowns instead of like the 13 or whatever that he had. And he was just kind of fine, but, but not like a league winner. How much would people really be thinking of this as like an amazing landing spot? Yeah. That's I, think very- it to- I think it totally impacts how people are viewing it. It's it's also like how much does Philly mm-hmm. utilize a running back in the passing game? Like basically none since they, they had, had 43 re- 43 receptions by running backs yeah, last year. It's it's super low and like it, it just makes sense. Like they have two elite wide receivers. They have a quarterback that probably is better off scrambling than dumping it down to a running back most of the time. Like I think it's a stru- it's a structural thing. Not, I don't think it's that they haven't had talented pass catching running backs. Like Sanders showed a little bit 
his rookie year that he can catch passes. Gainwell was like a wide receiver running back hybrid in college. Like they had these talented guys and they simply didn't get used. So unless we think Swift is like that much of an upgrade. Which I don't. Over those I don't. Guys, and I don't even think I, the I Eagles don't. do. I don't think the Eagles even think he's that big of an upgrade. I think they thought this is a good cost adjusted bet on a guy with really high pedigree and let's bring him in and see what happens. Yeah. Which to me is like, I think he's a like, would be a good best ball pick like two or three rounds later. It's just to me, to me, he feels overpriced that maybe I need to think more. He feels about a it. little overpriced to me. Am I, it is my gut feeling. I just, I think you are. The thing with Swift is he's an explosive player. So you are, it's sure. not just that he's a pass catcher. It's that he has been an explosive rusher. Yeah, 50 yard touchdown week 17. You don't have him, you know, good night. Irene. Yeah. And right. Exactly. And on this offense, like the odds of that type of thing are more, uh, or higher because, you know, they were literally pulling their starters like for they, they pulled their starters at like the end of the third quarter against the Steelers. I mean, <laughs> there is if you're an explosive rusher, he's just salting yeah. away games like, you know, and that's why I think Penny remains interesting. But I guess between the two, I don't love I don't love like reaching with a pretty significant ADP um, cost you're paying premium you're paying to get swift over over Penny. So. I think you guys have swayed me. I'm going to lower him back down a little bit. Because <laughs> also it's like, okay, who's okay. Swift's success rate was so bad last year. Like who was getting goal line carries on this offense? Like I'd honestly say Penny is a better bet. Even if it's straight up like Boston Hertz. Scott. Hertz is, getting that, goal that, line. Hertz is too. But even in the running backs, like is, is Swift a better bet than Boston Scott to get goal line carries? Like, I don't know to be honest unless like, unless they're playing the giants he will play ahead of scott i think all right let's 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 talk yeah. about richardson because yeah this this dude's adp by august is gonna be so high it's seventh gonna round. be so high yeah He's gonna it's be gonna in be the seventh so round. high if you, if you you gotta be building your 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 cold stacks um right now you gotta do it because the the rise is He's gone ahead of ADP in every draft I've done. I've done four. He's gone ahead of ADP in every one. Okay, let's let's do this exercise. Um, I'm gonna start reading off quarterbacks, and you you tell me. I'm starting like with. I'll start around quarterback seven and start going through them. Tell me. Do when, I have to? Do I have to factor in? Am I trying to play the ADP game here? No, no, no. Just, just no, 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 no. I took a truth you're serum. In a, you're right. in, yeah, two, truth serum. Um, no ADP game. It's not be a long list. Yeah. Okay. So. Lamar Jackson. Yeah. Justin Lamar. Herbert. Trevor Lawrence. Deshaun Watson. This is this is my line. This That's is my line. line. I'd rather have Richardson. Then Watson? I yeah. I want Watson still. Okay, Watson. Yeah. I'll I'll keep going then for, for Pat. Dak Prescott. I have Dak ahead. Tua. I'm done. I'm done after that. You're done the, there. The, okay. okay. So, so that's, weirdly, that's pick 70 to 80 ADP range. Just so this people. is such an it interesting in, thing about best ball. Yeah. I'm never taking Tua if I don't already have Tyreek and Waddle. 0% of the time. But obviously, if I have those one of those guys or both of those guys, I'm yeah, taking yeah, Tua yeah. every time. So it's it, sure. that's just a weird best ball 80 like wrinkle thing. But yeah, yeah I mean, just face value, I'm pretty sure I would prefer. I'm pretty sure Richardson's my quarterback nine. So, am I crazy to have Dak ahead? Am I not? Am I not bullish enough? Yeah, I'm really worried about this offense. Dallas offense. Yeah. Uh, like I actually just saw uh, Cowboy Stats tweet this that the last three years the Cowboys have been top three in plays per game every year with Kellen Moore calling the plays. The three years that Mike McCarthy was the play caller, 
for the Packers. They were 28th, 32nd, and 30th in plays per game. It, it's, I, I actually think the market might be under, underestimating the, the true train wreck potential that this has. Like Mike McCarthy is running, his preference is like a 1990s ball control, grind it out. Like, like he wants to bring the Cowboys back to the Stone Age. Really, because it just gets his goat when Dak turns the ball over. It just it like dry it like makes him lose his mind. So he just wants to limit that as much as possible. There, there's a chance it's really Ronald bad. Jones is actually a good pick. <laughs> <laughs> the thing about the Cowboys is like, I think there's a chance this you're all right. The scheme is way worse, but I think there's some significant player upgrade upgrades that it could kind of be a wash. Yeah. Like, uh, Brandon Cooks replacing Noah Brown, like Michael Gallup actually being healthy this year. Um, you know, one one more year post ACL, more Pollard snaps instead of Zeke being on losing the field. Schultz like, doesn't help though. Lo- losing Schultz doesn't help, but the guy yeah. that took Shoemaker, I do not think is a good prospect. I don't think he's. I think I think Jake Ferguson is probably going to just be the starting tight end for Dallas. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I still think the loss of Schultz, like the the upgrade of Cooks, is bigger than the loss of Schultz. But maybe I'm wrong there. I, I just think there's a there's a chance that the, I think you're right. I think it's worse it, that the players could be better. Yeah, the weapons slightly improved. I agree, but the coaching got way worse. Yeah. Well, if a lot of it hinges on like if Gallup is all the way back, like if the ACL was still holding him back last year and he's like a hundred percent good to go, I think they'll they have a chance to be better. But if he kind of stinks again, th- what's their audible? Like if if Ga- is two tight ends with Jake Ferguson and Peyton Hendershot, like what's the? I don't even know if they have an audible if he's bad. They don't. Yeah. I mean, I guess Tolbert. <laughs> Tolbert like couldn't get on the field over. I know. I'm just naming Deontay. names I know. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, back to Richardson. Very easy to explain why the the draft made it more bullish, which is that he didn't go to the Titans, he didn't go to the Texans, he didn't go to one of these teams that we fear might not have a plan for him. He literally is gone to Jalen Hurts' offensive coordinator, who transitioned him from a guy who couldn't do shit against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in his first playoff game to an MVP candidate. Like, it's just so obvious that they're going to know what to do with him. And they're going to want to do it right away. That's yep. what's so bullish, too. It's like they're, mm-hmm. they're building the offense around him. There was, like, so many opportunities. That's the press conference I watched, like, the entire one-off because I'm, I'm so fascinated to see, like, what their plan is. And, like... He was asked, like, doesn't Gardner Minshew give you a buffer? Like, basically, you know, you can start Minshew. You don't have to force this guy in. And he, like, he was like, we're going to see how it goes in training camp and OTAs. Like, he, he like, dodged, are you going to play Minshew the way another coaching staff would dodge? Are you going to play the rookie? They're like, we're playing this rookie, dude. I think he's starting very, very early. You know, maybe he doesn't start week one, but he's starting a lot of games this year. Yeah. I think it's and also if you compare it to Carolina, Houston, the Colts don't have the best weapons, but they have much better weapons than those teams. They got Michael Pittman, who is legit number one wide receiver that those teams don't have. Um, you know, Alec Pierce isn't a terrible number two. They have Jonathan Taylor, obviously a very good running back. So it's not an amazing supporting cast, but it's a passable one. Whereas like the Texans in Carolina, I mean, man, look at the Texans wide receiver depth chart. Yeah, CJ Stroud has his work joke. cut out for him. Yeah. To the quarterbacks, I think like a very niche point when I was thinking about Tua and Dak, I do think there is some element to the stacking point you made, Davis. Like 
if I have CD or I have Waddle or Tyreek, I'll I'd probably take two or I just yeah I'm 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 going it, I I'm yeah. pairing those guys every time yeah it's also yeah like there's something where like the pocket passers are like have a slight edge in best ball over the rushers just from a correlation standpoint where like if Richardson has an amazing week it's less likely that you have his stacking partner that actually helps yeah. you. Cause like he could just rush for two or three touchdowns or something. Right. Whereas if Dak has a ceiling week, it's going to be CD lamb. I mean, or maybe, you know, Brandon cooks, if Tua has a spike week, it's definitely Waddle or Tyreek. There's almost like no one else it could be. Right. So there's something there to be aware of, but I think that's a fair range for Richardson. I think, I think he'll jump Daniel Jones, Kirk cousins, Rogers types. Um, unless people unless people are just like truly snake bitten by the trey lance experience and that like just psychology drags him down i like don't see how he doesn't keep rising i think Um, he i think people are snake bitten by the trey lance experience and that's why he'll be available around kirk cousins because that's not where we were taking trey lance speaking of speaking of being snake bitten by the trey lance experience he's literally going in the 18th round in, in in some of these drafts like well, I don't know. You give me a 50% chance that dude is starting week 17. I'm going to be taking him there. Where are you getting that 50% chance from though? <laughs> that's, Brock that's, Purdy, that's Bro- Brock Purdy injury complications. Basically. Okay. I don't think that's, I, that feels high for me. Cause my issue with Lance the whole time is that he's, it's that week 17 is the least likely week yeah. for him. To no, you're, you're not wrong. You're not, this, this thought process is not wrong. We don't need to do Trey Lance discussion for the 900th time. Let's do, let's do Rasheed Rice. So, I, we and we don't even need to get into the prospect profile. It's just basically like this is a right now he's at 176. He's going to be 155 next week. He's going to get even higher than that. But I mean, this is just simply a 100, like literally a 100 pick discount on where McCall Hardman and Sky Moore were going in the exact same context. Literally the same context. Like no, like uh, Tyreek suspension was why Hardman got boosted way up. And no other good wide receivers on the team was why Sky got boosted up. And that proved to be true. Like, had Sky more been good, yeah. it was all there for him. No one was stopping him from getting his numbers if he was good. Yeah. So with the KC wide receivers, and I don't know if the strategy was optimal, but I'll say what I was doing, like, in pre-draft stuff. If I had Mahomes, I was clicking Tony. I was clicking Sky. I was clicking MVS. If I didn't have Mahomes, I was still clicking MVS a little bit, but I was kind of ignoring everyone else like uh, that's, that's just how i, I was too. that's how i was doing it it's pretty simple simple-minded but like i honestly think hey. that's not a terrible <laughs> i mean you, you won two million dollars so <laughs> if you were doing it then it makes me feel smarter about it um but i don't know i think that's not a terrible way to play the chiefs wide receivers to be honest like rice at 176 i would certainly hammer him now because he's going to get more expensive but once he gets to like 140 or whatever 130 I don't and know, is he man. even here? Like, I don't know how much of the old ADP is like weighted into this because I don't even, I mean, or maybe in some drafts, people just forget he exists because he's so far down the list, but um. yeah, exactly. That there's, you know, these are far from settled ADPs. These are extremely, yeah. I, I actually just looked at like yesterday versus today. I made these charts yesterday, assuming like, oh, it's not going to change that much in one day. A bunch of players moved by like 10 spots. So I'm like, I got to update these charts. So like this stuff is moving so quickly that like, this is like, there's an arrow still pointing up on Rasheed Rice that it hasn't stopped moving up for sure yet. So, um, yeah, if these guys if these guys are available in your drafts at ADP or even like ten picks before ADP, and you're just purely playing the ADP game, like take these guys 
the, the later guys like Rasheed Rice, Laporta, Jaden Reed, Mingo, because they're Kendra Miller keep, as well. I took yeah, Kendra Miller in the one thirties today. I had a yeah. I had a Saint as well, and I was trying to do like a Saints thing. It didn't end up just didn't end up being those two, but yeah, I mean Kendra Miller. You also get the Camara suspension. He'll rise on that, and that's coming. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Can we talk? Uh, I'm actually interested in talking the last couple guys in this chart, uh, Jaden Reed and uh, A-Chain. I guess starting with Reed, um, again, pick 201. He seems like a good bet. I think we, we probably all agree on that. Is are we expecting him to immediately replace Dubs in two wide receiver sets? Because if so, no, no, you don't think so? No, well, he's their slot. Dubs was he... good. He was pretty good in in the snaps he got last year. Like obviously, I think they yeah, like Jaden Reed, and I think they're going to give him a chance to play. But they also like the the Packers roster is just so bereft of cost controlled good players. Like they just have so many snaps to fill out. Yeah, I guess that's fair. But what's I mean, maybe not immediately replaced, but Jaden Reed got day got round two draft capital. Dubs got what like mid round four. Like it seems to me, if I was betting on who's playing in two wide receiver sets by the end of the year, I think I would go Reed. I don't have any like... issue with that. I don't have any issue with yeah. that. But Reed is not a very good prospect. Fifth year guy. He had a couple good seasons. It was like such a weird career because I think his he had a great freshman year and then he had a good, I think twenty twenty one and then he fell off a bit in twenty twenty two. Um, he's a smaller guy. I think he's going to start in the slot, but they made a point of talking about how they really think he can play on the outside. He plays big, he plays tough. So the idea that he's like the starting Z at the end of the year, I think is totally plausible. I like him as kind of a, a correlation bet. Like if you have Jordan love, I think it makes a lot of sense to tackle on uh Reed, And I would probably prioritize him if you have Jordan love. Yeah. That makes sense. And yeah, I know some of the film guys think he can play on the outside. Um, I think he played like mostly on the outside, um, looking at reception perception, uh, at least for last year. Yeah, it was kind of a weird third, third split between flanker X and slot. So he does have some versatility. Um, but yeah, for me, it's just like, I, I think it kind of makes me out on dubs almost entirely at his price, just because I think he's like, to become a three wide receiver set only guy by the end of the year uh which like i don't i don't ex- I, I i think that's overconfident in reed reed's not a very good prospect i know he got second round draft capital but he's like the idea that like he is capped out as a slot guy at the next level which is what i would have thought before he was drafted you know as as like a realistic possibility um that means dubs is is like a starting wide receiver and two wide receiver sets that's not all that unlikely. And you know, you're where he's going. I don't think he's maybe he needs to fall a little bit, but uh I don't know. I, I don't I don't really mind him. Yeah. I guess he's going up pick 150, so he's not super expensive. I guess I'll just I'd, I don't know. We'll see where Reed lands. I'd I'd rather take the higher draft capital guy. I, I think the Dolphins later, backfield but. is more interesting because it's way more likely to be fantasy relevant. Like the Packers might just have one fantasy relevant wide receiver. Like, but hmm. If you yeah. could, I don't know, if you could tea leave the Dolphins backfield, like what are they, what happens between a Shane Wilson, Mostert, that's probably pretty good info to have. Cause they would do, they did so much weird stuff. Like Wilson would be 70% of snaps one week and then Mostert would get them all the next week. And sometimes they were both good. Like it just, it was a weird situation. And I don't, 
I think because of a Shane's profile, it doesn't do anything to help the weirdness because he does not profile as a guy who should be playing 70% of the snaps, you know, like none of them really do. But yeah, I think the nice thing about, uh, is it a Shane? That's what well, it I is think after on, on, on this show, I think we decided on Ashane for, for the oh, show. Okay. All right. So let's go Ashane. So the thing about Ashane is that like he's, he was never going to be that guy. And yeah. I think at least in this situation, he doesn't have to be like, Very can, good he be, fit. can he be Elijah Mitchell now? I think that's too much. Elijah Mitchell was a workhorse dog for in his rookie year. Like he was a, he wasn't playing any passing downs, but he was like a. I think he got like twenty five carries a couple times. Like he was, they wow. were grinding. That's more him. than I. That's more than I remember. Um, but I think that's kind of maybe he's like a skinnier Elijah Mitchell. I mean, he's the speed. He's the speed back. He's going to be in a rotation. Yeah, he but. got. He got 30 touches a couple times. Wow. Elijah Mitchell did. I just wow. pulled up his. I just pulled up his game logs. Um, I mean, it's nice the, to not be 188 pounds. It is nice. <laughs> the reason, the reason why it's it's such a good fit though is like I think sort of the same thesis to why we like these Miami running backs last year is that uh, it it should be a good offense. All of them should catch the ball a little bit. Like I don't think any of them will really be typecast. Wilson is like the grinder, I guess. Um, and I don't know. I mean. Ashane probably gains a lot when Mostert suffers his yearly knee injury as well. He is Mostert, right? He's just, he's like the Mostert guy. Yeah, so. he's just Mostert or Breed. I think he, you know, if he gets like 45% of the snaps with Wilson at, or sorry, if he gets 55 to Wilson's 45, or even if it's 50 50, I mean, he's so explosive and it's potentially such a uh, an efficient offense that he strikes, he strikes me as a very fun pick. Like I was saying, I'd probably chase him into round nine. Round mm. round, I don't 10 think you'll have to. Pretty sweet. Yeah, yeah. That's. I, I mean, I think all these Miami running backs, if they stay at their current prices, which I I kind of expect. I mean, Ashane might rise just because of the the rookie hype a little bit, but they strike me as all like it's just a good offense. I think all these guys have shown they can score fantasy points. I obviously prefer Ashane because he's younger, a little bit more exciting, but they they all strike me as like good running back picks and zero RB builds. Cause like would it honestly supply surprise you if Jeff Wilson, you know, plays 60% of the snaps week one and has a pretty good role. Like no. not, not really. No. So like, I think they're all, they all project as like having potential to be the starter in this offense, which, which is exciting at their prices. Well, do you um, think that Wilson is maybe a little bit more protected than Mostert now? Because, because Mostert is sort of duplicative or is it just, there's that kind of overthinking it they use it like Davis said they use them so interchangeably last year that I I have a hard time sorting out who's duplicative from like a role perspective they really just flip-flopped like back-to-back weeks who was the lead guy if you look at the guaranteed money they got I think Mostert got very slightly more but not by much he's also like three or four years older than Wilson so yeah for me it's honestly like I was flipping I like both of their values pre-draft I think to be honestly it's still a coin flip like I don't know if I'm going to take a stand there um, between those two guys, probably whichever one's cheaper, um, and sort of flip a coin. Yeah, that makes sense. I would, yeah, I wish I had a, a a better stand, but honestly, sometimes it's good just to get exposure to the team. Um, yep. Yep. Let's chat some of the the risers. I think uh, Lamar is an interesting one to talk through, and is pretty pretty obvious why. Um, I guess question for you, Davis. Do you think 
Lamar. So the quarterbacks now, uh, we still have the three guys, Allen, Mahomes, Hurts going 15, 16, and 17 in ADP. Do you think Lamar significantly closes the gaps with those three guys? Um, I mean, if he doesn't, if he doesn't, he's a buy, but like right now he's a buy. Uh, Like he's got the, he's got the same ceiling weekly as Mahomes and Allen and goes like significantly after them. Yeah. When are those guys going to not be in the second round? When, when casual, like, and like when the more casual players start drafting. Why why are the, why are the, I think the more casual guys are doing this. You know what happened, which is weird, and I don't know how Underdog does its ADPs, but these guys were falling, and then like the default ADPs they they put back into the system. Had I think it's Hayden. Higher. I think Hayden loves yeah. his early quarterbacks. He's like, no, they're going to go higher. Yeah, so there there was a little finger on the scale there for these initial ADPs. I think. There I think. Was. Um, Hayden, you can refute this if, if uh, just, <laughs> yeah, just slander, just slandering you. But um, yeah, I, I think. <laughs> They started in the big board. They started to fall to like the two, three turn. Um, they did, me, right? Me, I yeah. feel like I remember. Let me confirm that. this. Let me confirm this to make sure I'm not because you have the last day. Then you download it. Yeah. Um. Okay. I'm kind of right. They they were going at pick 19, 20, and twenty one when the big board closed. So they he bumped them back up by like five spots each. So <laughs> that's Hayden, a lot of spots in the second. Hayden, round. What, what happened there? <laughs> Maybe um, you know what it might be, dude. It might be the la- it might be the average. Hayden, Hayden might have absolutely nothing to do with this. It's just the total <laughs> average for the entire. No, Hayden's Hayden's the guilty culprit. Okay, I would I would. <laughs> that's my preference. That's hilarious. Um, it could be the I, average. You're right. It could be the average. Who knows? Who dude, knows? How I just don't. Who, who are these people drafting Odell Beckham around 100? Dude, what is the deal with that? I think <laughs> he's got to be like the worst pick on the board. Go, so look, I, go look at I was his, okay go look at his props flowers. if you think this is good. Yeah. I was okay with it before the Flowers pick. I didn't love it, but I was like, okay, if you have Lamar, sure. Now with the Flowers pick, I'm like, come on. You can't you can't be making this pick. He's like the fourth target on the, the yeah, Ravens, it's, it's, most likely, by the end of the year, right? Like, you've you got the – he tore the same ACL in his knee. He's going to be 31. He wasn't able to play all of last season. They just drafted Zay Flowers. Andrews is unquestionably the top target in the offense. I think Flowers will be ahead of Beckham by the end of the year, and I think Bateman will be ahead of him probably the whole year. So uh, why? Why is he going here? Yeah, there's. I don't think we, we can even have an argument here because I don't even know how you defend the Odell Beckham price. It's uh, just It's just got to be people who are like kind of just getting into like getting the swing of the year. And they're like, oh, I, I know Odell's name, and he's on a team, and he's healthy, and he's going to play. I think yeah. what what it is is that – so when Beckham signed, people, for some reason, got really excited. And he was going ahead of Bateman, which never made sense to me, but, you know, whatever. Then Lamar signs the deal, so therefore his price should rise. <laughs> but they also drafted Flowers, which is a horrible outcome for Odell Beckham. It's really, it's, it's, it's really, like, I don't, people are not understanding how bad it is for him. Yeah, no, it's really bad. He, at at the end of his time with the Rams, like when he, he was supposed to be kind of a deep threat guy before he tore his ACL, right? He wasn't used that way down the stretch with the Rams. They, they had him in that role with the, in the first couple games, his ADOT declined over his time with the Rams. By the end, he was like more of an underneath guy and he was pretty good in that role. But 
that's what Flowers is going to be. Flowers is going to be more of the intermediate kind of, you know, yards after catch type of dude. The more he comes on, it's directly impacting Odell. So I just, I mean, Bateman, I don't want to have the debate about, you know, how good he is. I don't think we really know. He was very efficient, but he didn't run all the routes last year. You know, maybe not the best bet now that the, it's a crowded situation, but he at least provides, I think, a clear deep threat on the perimeter there. I think he'll be running a fair amount of routes and will provide something to the offense that Odell simply can't anymore and that Flowers doesn't really profile to. So that also hurts Odell if Bateman has a clear role in the offense that is kind of his. So anyway, I just I just don't Yeah, it. I don't get it. I mean, to me, the Bateman signing is most easily explainable as they wanted Lamar back and this was like a way to to get him excited about coming back. They did give I mean, him a lot of money. They gave him a lot of money. Yeah, that's like where I think if you're making the Odell argument, you say they gave him a lot of money. He was still really good last time we saw him play, which I, I think is true. I think that part of it is is true. Uh, but then after that, it's like you got to hit the parlay of Bateman not being healthy when he comes back. Zay Flowers not being very good. You know, I don't know. There, it seems like a whole them throwing part. more. Yeah, I, I just don't because Andrews don't is going to be the number one. He's he's awesome. He's going to be the number one target. Yeah, I think people forget that. Like we did this with the Chiefs wide receivers last year, where we're like, "Oh, we got to chase the Chiefs wide receivers up." Well, you forget you you got to plug in the the thirty percent Kelsey target share, and then all of a sudden the Chiefs wide receivers don't look as exciting. It's the same argument for the Ravens, but they pass like infinitely less than the Chiefs do. So, right, um, it, it's a tricky one. I want to talk uh, Rashad White a little bit. Um, I think you guys. I think probably will like him more than me. I guess I just don't get it. I, I think he. What I mean, how do you? Him? How do you not like him now? Yeah, <laughs> Sam. This is again the bad offense corollary. They, what else? What else are they going to do? They be like, oh crap! I suck at quarterback again. What? What is Keyshawn Vaughn going to be? Pipe pipping snaps away. Sean like, Tucker, dude. UDFA. <laughs> I mean, Rashad White. He's he he. Rashad he's White. He's just not Jamie. good. I don't know. He's just not Rashad good. How could White. you say that after his rookie season when he, he was actually a yeah. pretty good receipt? He gets on the field. He forces a split with Leonard Fournette right away. And then, yeah, like he what he had a worse receiving grade than Leonard Fournette. But like, so what? He was a rookie. And they got rid of Leonard Fournette and they didn't bring anyone else in. I don't think you could say he's not good. He wasn't an efficient rusher. But I think he's a pretty solid pass catching option. And he could break out as a pass catcher in year two. That's definitely possible. With Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trafts thrown to him? Yeah, yeah, with Kyle Trask throwing to him because he can't do anything else. If I'm taking if I'm taking running backs in this range, I just want running backs on a team that have a chance of being good. I mean, I don't know. It's just it's such a bad offensive situation. You look at his like whatever everything he did last year, he was worse than Leonard Fournette and basically everything he did. Sure, he was still like I get Fournette he was still, wasn't terrible. This is a it's I know, a, I know, I know. It's a very I get, carefully crafted argument to say that because Fournette was fine, as a, particularly as a pass catcher. So, yeah, he was worse, but then they yeah, got rid of Fournette. You got Tom Brady throwing you the ball. I don't know. I'm I'm skeptical of the Rashad White receiving stuff when you have Tom Brady at quarterback who's just dumping it down to his running backs incessantly, and he always has. Like, I don't know if those yards per route run receiving grades are a true metric of how good Rashad White is or if there's just a metric of how good he was. I mean, Tom he was Brady absolutely off the charts. Back. His yards per hour run in college was off the charts. I mean, this that is what he profiled to do, was to come in and be a receiving back. He immediately came in, forced a split, and was an, a solid NFL receiver. So to me, it's like a continuation of an existing thesis, which is that White profiles is like he's going to be a good NFL pass catcher. 
and he was a pretty good NFL pass catcher as a rookie. He was a terrible rusher. But sure, like, but, yeah, you know, I get it. You can be cares? a good NFL pass catcher though at running back, and like I think Kenny Gainwell is a good NFL pass catcher. That doesn't matter in fantasy. Like I think James Cook is a good NFL pass catcher. That doesn't matter in fantasy that much. Who's like, the Damian Harris that you're worried about here? Who's who's the Rashad Penny and DeAndre Swift? They didn't add any. I'm just I'm worried about the I'm worried about the upside. I guess that that's my point. Is like I, I don't think you have a chance of like beating ADP at this pick. But the other uh, thing I'll Tampa note, Bay, by the way, Tampa Bay Bucks the, offense with a talent that we think is quite. You have to I think at least admit that his talent is questionable at running back, and he's on maybe the worst offense in the league. Yeah, I don't dispute either of those things. You did compare him to two guys that he has about 18 pounds on. He's not he's not a sub 200 pound guy. He actually is big enough to be an inefficient, but he's gonna he's definitely gonna be inefficient as a rusher. There's like no question. But he's a big enough dude to where like they just give him the goal line carries because who else is it? Keyshawn Vaughn. So he gets he gets enough of the goal line stuff, which there won't be a lot of because they're gonna suck. But he yeah. catches a bunch of dump offs. I mean, we've seen that pay off this kind of ADP before. I, I'm not. I don't know. And I was I was kind of out on him pre-draft because I was like, he's such sure. a, an obvious guy to get replaced. And I was like, man, if a Charbonnet goes there, if a Bigsby goes there, if uh, Izzy Abanacanda goes there, like all of those guys really, really hurt Rashad White. But they didn't bring in anybody they except for Tucker and DFA. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it's it's fair. And like I certainly was biased against him pre-draft. So like I got to I got to reevaluate and make sure I'm. I'm keeping myself honest. I guess the guys going after him, I kind of understand why I go to have Mixon, James Conner, Javon, James Conner, Javante, James Cook. I'm not super excited about those guys anyway. So I kind of get the positional ADP. I don't know. I, but, I still think I think I still think you got to tell yourself a pretty um, creative story if you're talking about how Rashad White gets to be a top twelve running back in fantasy. I don't think you really do. I, I think in, in a, you a want points per game basis. I guess. He just, you want he, he just stays healthy. He just stays healthy yeah. and catches 55 passes. That's it. That's the whole story. And Trask and Trask plays more than Baker because Baker Baker's so frustrating because he doesn't like check down. He just runs around and does nothing. You want Trask to be like, oh God, and then just pass. Yeah. 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 I, I, I don't know. I think also for this, I just think a lot about touchdowns and like half PPR underdog. And like I think that's probably where my blocker is with White, where I'm just like how do the multiple multi TD games happen for him? And surely, surely it can happen. It's not possible, but it's just like it requires snap consolidation. Snap consolidation is the answer to that because this is the same coaching staff who a couple years ago gave everything to Fournette. They're like, we trust this dude. We're just giving him the whole thing. And I think White has, you know, I, I wouldn't project that for him. Obviously, that's an uncommon outcome, but yeah, they clearly did trust this guy as a rookie and they trusted him in pass protection situations with Tom Brady. I mean, I think he's like, you know, a little bit, that's, that's another reason why I, I pushed back on the idea that he had this like terrible rookie year. Like he was pass protecting for Brady as a rookie. So I think trustworthy wise, like he's, he's a pretty solid bet. And I wouldn't be shocked if he had like a 70% snap share this year, because there's just nobody there. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. I mean, my only, my only pushback would be is like the, the coaching staff did show confidence in him, but we didn't see like the Rashad White 80% snap share game. Like like the the most it got for him was like, what, 
55, 45, him and he never Fournette. displaced Fournette. That's yeah, right. he so never displaced him. That's what I'm saying is like, I wouldn't be shocked if we're looking at week four and Keyshawn Vaughn's getting a 40% snap roll every week and Rashad White's the clear starter. Like, you know, however, they, they bring in some third guy and do some gross three man committee. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I just I don't, don't I see... wouldn't be sh- I wouldn't be shocked by that either. Yeah. So then I'm just like, you have a committee back on the box. Like, I don't know. That I get you guys. I get what you guys are saying. I'm probably still out on him, but. You, you well, like compared to like point. a Damian Pierce or um, like a J.K. Dobbins, like are you? I mean, th- yeah, to me, I, like that's pretty similar bets, and those guys probably aren't catching the passes. Yeah, I guess Pierce is. I, I don't like Pierce either. So, um, yeah, I, I'm with you on that. I think it's a similar bet to Pierce. D- Dobbins for me is just like I can see the Baltimore offense just being top five in the league and that carries Dobbins to some, some big spike. Yeah. He's weeks. got the touchdown up. Yeah. The half PPR thing probably has you on, on Dobbins. Yeah. That, that's, that, that's the thing. It's a half PPR thing for sure. Yeah. Um, just like the Rashad week white spike week is like just so much bigger in full PPR than half PPR. I kind of think, but I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I'll think about it more with, with uh, Rashad white and we'll see if they sign someone like Zeke or Hunter, or whoever there's, there's still some, uh, Minor obstacles out there, I think, but probably. I think they are probably one of the lesser teams to sign. Like, if you're Zeke, why on earth would you go to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Zeke like, is just going to re-sign in Dallas, right? That's that's how it that's is. Probably, probably the most likely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I want to hit on some of these fallers. Uh, starting with the rookies, I think I think some interesting conversations here. Keep in mind that like. What this is actually measuring is the close of the one quarterback big board to today. So there were some weird things where like guys rose and fell in the super flex big board. And that's like not going to be baked into these prices. I think downs is a good example um, where he like already mm-hmm. had fallen a lot in the super flex big board. So like, it might not feel like he fell that much more anyways. That's just a sort of minor nuance, but uh, most of these guys, it just became clear. They weren't going to go as high as we thought like downs, Hyatt, Tucker, Booty. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, Those guys all fell. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. And then Smith and Jigba, I think, is pretty interesting to talk about, like his range of outcomes. And then Johnson will probably be a riser, I would imagine, throughout throughout the process. I think um, I think that's right. That he's actually it's weird that he's actually rising, but it looks like a fall compared to his pre-draft. He's rising from the superflex big board, but but falling from the big board. Yes, yes, that's what I was trying to say. Exactly. So let's, I think, let's talk uh, Smith and Jigba first. This one's like really interesting to me um, because I think I'm generally not someone who's worried when a first round wide receiver gets drafted about target competition and worrying too much about the depth chart. But Seattle strikes me as like a unique situation where we do actually have to care about that just because DK Metcalf and Lockett, I think, are still both really good. Like, you know, Lockett's 31, and people bring that up all the time, but you look at his charting ESPN open score, he ranks super high in that. Even yards per route run, these like traditional rate metrics we look at, Lockett still looks really good in that. So, I mean, do we, I think to like like JSN at pick 60, we have to be confident that he's going to displace those two guys, one of those two guys, and two wide receiver sets. And for me, that's just like an open question. I think you can argue both sides of it, but like I'm certainly not confident in that. Yeah, dude. It's not a, it's not a year one play. This is, this is not, uh, maybe it's a fine picket at 
ADP because he's got so much ceiling and contingent value. That's and what maybe it is there'll be me, a couple man. spike weeks in there. But I, I mean, my biggest takeaway is that Addison is the guy. Like Addison, Addison has the chance to be like rookie year Garrett Wilson. Like Addison could have at cost. I'm, I'm with you. At Addison cost. is a smash yeah. at cost. I was trying yeah. to talk. I think we were on the. I think at the 701 on Saturday night, I was trying to talk Pete into Addison because we had taken. I don't even like Addison's prospect profile that much, but the, it just this Situation. was the spot. This was yeah. just the spot where it's like this was the spot. Like he he's a down. Like I think he's kind of a field stretcher type. Although he's not super super fast, but he he did a lot of damage downfield in college and in the intermediate area. Like, He'll just do whatever Justin Jefferson is not doing on that snap. Like if Justin exactly. Jefferson, it, like it's it's it's. I think it's a really good fit of their skill sets. I think it's a good fit with Kirk Cousins. There's like a absolutely gargantuan hole there. They have been force feeding Adam Thielen these inefficient targets for three years. Like Thielen used to be really good, declined in efficiency pretty much every year. They were still throwing him the ball. Like Adam Thielen had 14 touchdowns the year Justin Jefferson set the world on fire. Like, I feel like people kind of forget that. Like, Adam Thielen urged Gerald at his way to a wide receiver one season. Like, yeah. It, it and, and that's that's the other thing is Osborne is no roadblock at all. Like, at yeah. all. At it's a great, all. great point from Kevin. Like, he, yeah. It's just – it's such a clear path to a, a starting role immediately um, for Addison. Yeah, I, Compa- I love I love the Addison call. I mean, he's – where do you think – like, where would you – stop taking him davis if he continues just rise like in a meteoric rise where would you be like okay let's see here my guess is probably somewhere around wide receiver 30 feels about right yeah well yeah no even higher i would take him at wide receiver 27 i think so i would so who's that ahead of that's ahead of js i think him versus jsn JSN. is kind of interesting straight up I, i think honestly if the adps were close i would take addison over jsn i think this 30 point ADP gap is just overconfidence in fantasy drafters saying which guys, but like their NFL draft capital were basically identical and one's in a clearly better situation than the other. It's just, I get why we like JSN's prospect profile better than Addison's, but I think there are flaws in both their prospect profiles. So to me, I think they should be going much closer. Maybe like it's a hot take to say Addison ahead of JSN, but the 30 point gap seems insane to me. Um, Yep. Looking at the situations. Yeah, so what I'll say for JSN and why I would continue taking JSN ahead of Addison is that you, I do think that his profile was very strong and it was strong in particular in like, man, if this season that he had two years ago is who he actually is, he has a really high NFL ceiling. And I think he's not going to displace Lockett Um to start the year like there's very little chance of that but 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 he very easily could by the playoffs easily could by the playoffs and i also think that he could emerge in kind of an amin ross st brown type of way down the stretch in particular because gino really does love throwing short and is very accurate in the short area so like Mm -hmm. gino smith just like find like gino smith falling in love with this guy and he's a star i think is in play down the stretch so that type of outcome uh, is is appealing, especially compared to a guy like Addison, who really has no like it's a Jefferson injury, and sure. that's the only plausible way, right? So, uh, I think I think Smith and Jigba does have at least a, a chance to emerge, and maybe for and maybe he forces the Seahawks to go a little bit more three wide receiver sets as well. 
You know, that's maybe possible. it's not just a, a pure displacement because he's. I don't know. I think they're actually. Play. I think they're going back to the old wing T and playing Charbonnet and, and Kenneth Walker <laughs> well, together. Kenny got to get Kenny McIntosh in there too. I mean, Zach Charbonnet. DJ like, Dallas. How far, can, how far can that dude fall? How far can Sharbs fall at, at, at? He's running back twenty nine as of this morning. Like, I'm still I'm still in, dude. I'm still in on Charbonnet. They just, took him with a second round pick. That doesn't mean shit to the Seahawks, I don't think. What do you mean? They just took, the, isn't the argument for Walker? They just took him with a second round pick. Walker, had, he was, was so he was good. No, I mean, he was second worst in success. No, rate. don't give me don't give me success rate or anything when we're why? talking about coaches care about success rate. No, dude. That's why no. Swift just got just got traded because of success no. rate. No, see, I think I think you're reading way too much into it. Swift got traded. Swift got traded because he wouldn't do what they wanted him to do. Uh-huh. I guarantee you. I guarantee you beyond any shadow of a doubt that Pete Carroll fucking loves Kenneth Walker. I mean, he just took a guy in the second round of the draft. Seems that's like just, that's a, just, dude, he's he just loves running backs. He's, he likes, he's he 70, likes him. He's, he's 72 years him. old. Pete Carroll is 72 years old. Like he just looks at Zach Charbonnet and is like, like he just, he just, he just, he <laughs> well, just that, wigs that's, out. That's true. We got to clip that. That's amazing. Like, like imagine it's like you looking at a running back who converted from linebacker. He just, it like value doesn't matter. It's it just, he just is all in on Zach. Like he just, oh, hang on. he just I'm, loves I'm that dead. guy. <laughs> Davis just killed me. I think it's just um, on Pete on Pete Carroll's big board. His top ten is just all running backs. All so running backs. When Charbonnet fell to him uh, in the second round, <laughs> he's like, "Oh, I got top ten guy on my board." He, he's like, he's like, this him. guy was number this guy was number eight on my board, and we're at forty nine. I can't take him. What are you talking about? Look, I don't think it's good that Kenneth Walker is a boom bust rusher who can't catch passes who just had a guy get drafted in the second round. That seems very bad. And are we? Like one of the mistakes I made last year was being like, I really like Rashad Penny. I, I, I don't want to take Kenneth Walker because I like Rashad Penny too much. Like, let me just take Penny. But here I'm like, you know, isn't Zach Charbonnet like the same exact bet that we just got in Kenneth Walker that just hit in a massive way? Well, if you want here, zoom out a little bit and just look at yourself this way. The Seahawks know they love to run the air out of the ball like that. They consider that their identity and they have nothing on their running back depth chart. You know, it's it's de- not even not even homers there anymore. I I no, think DJ and, and McIntosh they just though. drafted right. Yeah, so it's like they had nothing. So I, and and in this again in the Seahawks mind, not saying this is how the NFL works. They're like, oh, we'd be totally screwed if Kenneth Walker got hurt. This is like a real need position for us. We need a good second running back. Like that's what they're thinking. Dude, I would be open to that if it was a third round pick or a fourth round pick in a class that's like loaded with those types of guys, right? Like there's there's Do we consider the Seahawks guy. a good drafting team? I do not. No, no, I, I don't. But I don't think it's just weird to me that like Kenneth Walker, a second round pick, is the clear starter over Zach Charbonnet, a second round pick. Like they have basically the same draft capital. Like I just we should, like we should assume the, that of, this I'm is a committee. More with Pat. I'm more with which Pat is, here. by the way, what they have said this will be. They've said this is going to be a committee. We are going to rotate these guys. We're going to rotate them on third down. We're going to rotate them on early downs. That is what they said post draft. I, I think if we just go, no, 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 they'll play Walker. He was good last year. We're we're the ones putting our head in the sand there. They they're being quite open about what they plan to do. I just think Kenneth Walker is a grown ass man. Kenneth Kenneth Walker is like Derrick Henry to me, where I like I don't care about any of the math or the logic. I just think he's awesome. Yeah. All right, but he he weighs like thirty pounds less, so I don't know. 
If you're, if you're like the big boy, uh, Charbonnet. I, I, it might, this might even be like a little bit of like DFS, like brain tilt where like every week I didn't have Kenneth Walker. He just would like rip off 60 yard touchdowns, you know? And, and yeah, like, I don't know. He just, I, I, I was also just like so spun out by that selection that it doesn't even make any sense. Like it just was so out yeah, of nowhere it was, for me. It was so, it was tilting. I, I was pissed. I mean, I guess like I took a lot of Charbonnet, not a ton of Walker, but. I guess Charbonnet, Charbonnet is not going to fall that much just because like the draft capital was still there for him. But the landing spot, I, there was just so like basically 20 other better landing spots for him than. Oh, yeah. Than the Seattle. landing spot like, sucks. So bad. But the upside, I think don't don't lose sight of the fact that there is a yeah. lot of upside in this landing spot because we now sure. think the Seahawks are going to be a pretty solid passing offense and they just added to the passing offense. They should be solid. And then if Walker were to miss a couple weeks, Charbonnet is like jam, jam him in DFS type of play. They're going to ride him. Like as soon as it's not a committee, he's he's got serious, serious weekly upside. So I think uh, where he's getting drafted, he's a target. Yeah. And that's that's like the inverse of that is kind of why. And like, I think Walker should fall, but like, Obviously, you know, Charbonnet gets injured. Walker becomes a smash as well. Obviously, the difference is you got to pay a third-round pick now for Walker, whereas you have to pay, what, like a ninth-round pick for Charbonnet. So I think their ADPs, I think Walker is probably going to fall a decent chunk, and Charbonnet's ADP is probably going to stay about where it is. That's that's what I would guess. Um, so I, if you like Walker and you like the talent, which, which I do, I think I'm more with Davis, like on Walker's talent. I'm not as worried about the success rate stuff maybe maybe i should be are you worried that uh, he like literally can't catch passes and didn't catch passes even though he played like 80 percent of snaps last year is that concerned to you at all no bothers me no i don't care i don't <laughs> care half half ppr what what are catches even worth in half ppr like yeah dude point, give point me two? give me give me a dude who i think can rip off 180 <laughs> yards and three touchdowns which i think kenneth walker can that's mm. the thing it's a, the big play thing and the and the good offense thing i think seattle's gonna what be if good what if sharbs what if okay like close your eyes Close your eyes. Imagine Zach Charbonnet, all 227 pounds of him, transforms into the third down back for the Seattle Seahawks. Because he's <laughs> totally plausible. <laughs> totally plausible. I did not see That's... any. <laughs> yeah. no, here, I gotta... Close your eyes again. Close your eyes again. Okay. It's, Close. It's, uh, it's week one. Uh, we're looking at Nathan Janke's, uh snap reports for PFF, and oh, DJ no. Dallas led the backfield in snaps with 38%. <laughs> also <laughs> plausible. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't even need to think about that. <laughs> but that's why, to me, I'm like, Walker, keep falling, buddy. I'm not I'm not interested at all. Like, I'm not even getting close to interested in Kenneth Walker where he is right now. So, like, I, I have him, like, a 20 picks past his current ADP. Keep on sliding. Like once you get into the fifth, I can deal with a, a guy who might be in a three way split who doesn't catch passes. That's, I, I kind of uh, I'm kind of with you. I, I I'm gonna take him once he falls. I think he should fall a decent a decent chunk. I don't know. I, I think he was so explosive and so fun as a rookie. I my guess is that I have a pretty big fade stance against him. I I don't think the market will bail me out. Like I I would love to mix him in in the the fifth because he is explosive, but. Well, it's a good good segue. Now looking at the veteran fallers, Walker does show up as the second biggest uh, veteran faller down 10 spots um, since the big board closed. So yeah, I, I don't know. I think there is momentum or whatever the opposite 
of momentum is for for Walker. Uh, he's going to continue falling down boards. Um, but yeah, does he get to the fifth, sixth? If I was to just guess, I'd say pick forty five ish is probably where he settles. But it could take could take a bit of time for him to get there. Um, that seems talk- about right. That yeah. seems like around like in the mid forties seems about right where he'll settle. Yeah. Um. Okay. Some other guys here to talk through. Uh, Jameson Williams. I don't think we've had a chance to really talk through that. Uh, I traditionally like to target like the suspended player. The discount. new the new format the new format sucks for this. Like you're yeah. giving up. Like I don't know. Obviously, it's less EV than three million dollars first place, but you're giving up meaningful EV having guys who are not contributing points in the regular season now. Yep, I, I think that's a fair point to make. Um, and it's just with me, like, I don't know, a guy who, let's be honest about Jamison Williams' rookie year for a second. Even when he was healthy, he did not earn a sizable role. And you could say, hey, they're protecting him because he was injured, all that. You can make all those excuses. Part of it might have been he just wasn't good at learning the playbook. Like, even by the end of the year, he was not earning a significant route rate, which I think we have to say, you know, when wide receivers these days immediately earn big roles, I think that is a little bit more of a red flag than people um, are making it out to be because they're making the injury excuse, which I get that's totally possible. But I think that combined now with the suspension just makes me like a little, like, I don't know. Sometimes when, when bad news comes out about players, it just kind of continues. So I'm not saying Williams career is dead by any means, but like, I think there's a little more systemic risk in, in Williams just based on the suspension. Um, So I'm a little wary. I had forgotten that he had one reception last year. Isn't that, is that crazy? True? Yeah, that dude. True? He had one reception. It went for a just for like a touchdown. bit. Okay. Oh my god. That's it's not a bit. Nuts. Nine what? nine targets, one reception. He played seventy eight snaps in six games. Now he is suspended for gambling for six weeks. Got to be honest. Dan Campbell seems like a guy who's like, I don't care if I just took you, if I we just traded up for you. Like, if you're, if you like, just seems like he's That's not what I'm with worried the, about. the Lions program. Like, I don't know. He, he didn't have much competition to earn snaps and routes last year, and he didn't do it. And I think people made a lot of excuses for that. Uh, obviously, small sample and everything, but man, I didn't realize that. That's now, now even more out. What he had one catch last year. What? I will say the one thing I'll, yeah, I I think it's better that he didn't get routes than if he did get routes. Like at least his targets per route run uh, was 22%, which is pretty good um, given that he had an eight out of 19.3. So I would, you know, the the bet with Jamison Williams was that he's basically going to be this explosive deep threat. He's going to be able to get wide open and earn targets. I think he had, wasn't he like wide open on another play that he, it was overthrown or something because I feel like something there was like more. That. There was some reason we were more excited than just one reception. <laughs> but, but it had like, to be some reason. It had to be. But uh, you know, he did tear his ACL in the national championship game. Like that's a. He, it's not just excuses to say, oh, you know, he wasn't able to run routes because he was still coming back from an ACL. Like that's legit. Um, and that's the fact legit. That, yeah. The fact but that he did like, earn eight targets on 37 routes is a good sign, especially because, again, he was he was getting targeted deep. Yeah. No, that's true. The excuses are fair. But at the same time, you can also say 
the Lions were fighting for a playoff spot down the stretch and they didn't trust him enough to play in meaningful routes. So like I, I think like the the high target rate, low routes guys, like even though you can I I do agree, Pat, that if he ran a ton of routes and just completely bombed, I'd probably be like more concerned. But I think we have a tendency to like for prospects we like, just always see the positive side in those type of situations when I think it still is like I think you still have to count it as a red flag that he didn't earn a role when he got back last year even like make all the excuses you want like if it's the injury thing the fact that he was injured that's a red flag too right like you can't just throw that away yeah 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 you gotta count everything holistically in some sense and well I have him quite a bit lower than this still so I'm not necessarily making the bull case for selecting him but I do think yeah I think he provides upside like I don't yeah but where do I have him? He yeah, seems like a better. He seems like ranks. a. He seems like a better FFPC pick than underdog pick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he'll probably Jock- he'll probably go at one fifty there too. Right, uh, Walker. We just talked about Palmer. I mean, he's completely dead. Algier. He's a handcuff now. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Do you guys want to talk about Lance at all? Uh, I kind of want to almost save that for another show. We've covered it. Okay. Yeah. Hopkins, Hopkins, <laughs> just while we were here, again, more breaking news. God damn, we are long-winded guys. Uh, De- DeAndre Hopkins just put on his Instagram story this afternoon that he's not expecting to be traded. So, uh, I mean, he could be lying, right? He could be lying, but the time to do it was kind of this last weekend, and it didn't happen. Also, inside reporting – Apparently, DeAndre Hopkins has been working out at Rudman's gym, and he said the, the Baltimore Ravens are a trash organization. <laughs> also, uh, I have a hard out in 20 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll close things out. Quickly on Hopkins, though, then I think that means he's going to fall a lot. Yeah, right? that's very said, bad for him. Yeah. Like, to pick 60-ish, probably. Because I think basically baked into his price was that he's going to be on the bills or chiefs almost like, yeah, let me adjust some assumptions real quick. on him that I had. Um, <laughs> where are you guys, by the way, I don't want to forget to ask where would you guys take Jameson Williams? Um, I probably would. I need to do more drafts to have, uh, a better answer for you like wide receiver say... gets so bad that like i'm not writing him off it would probably be in the yeah like lazard kj osborne zay jones adam thielen range like 130s maybe so, okay so i'm still too high compared to you guys then. well i mean maybe maybe i'm too low i don't know just like six games I mean, for example weird. i it take feels weird i take addison over him pretty easily um and that's 10 picks later no, no, like, but this this is fake, right? Like, he's going to be. I think, yeah. With everything shifting around, I'd say probably around pick 100, 110 for Jameson. Okay, all right. That's Like, that's I don't the... think a massive slide, but I think there's, like, 10 guys I can see going after him right now that I'd rather, like, rather have than him. I can actually, like, count it out probably, but, yeah. Like you said, he's still, like, prospect really liked, good offense, like, if you're playing for week 17, you're getting a good value. It's just that, yeah, we're not even sure if he's good. Even with like last year, we were sure Hopkins was good at football and we still discounted him pretty heavily for the suspension. Now it's a case where we like, don't even know how good the guy is. Right. 
Um, right. So, um, okay, cool. Let's let's close things out. I know uh, Davis got a hard out. Um, does anyone want to go first for their favorite value? Otherwise, I'm happy to to jump. Oh, in. I didn't pick one. So okay, I'll, I'll, I'll go first and vamp while you guys while you guys think of it. Um, it's a player we already touched on. Maybe cheating a little bit, but um, Sam Laporta, uh, who's a riser up to pick 199 right now, is my favorite value. We've talked through a lot of these points. Just no tight ends in the roster. Brock Wright, Shane Zilstra, James Mitchell. Um, some of the other rookie tight ends, I think, have a, like at least minor obstacles to overcome to get on the field. Laporta has basically nothing. And also, like we just talked about, wide receiver two for the first six weeks is going to be pretty weak with Jamison Williams out. So... I think he has a chance to establish himself pretty quickly into the game plan. Uh, tight end or some targets. And again, really good draft capital. Very early day two, pick 34 overall. overall, And just a really athletic guy. Um, I think he was like a 9.2 RAS guy um, from Kent Lee Platt. So yeah, just checks a lot of boxes. Um, we're betting on touchdowns and half PPR for fantasy. And I just like getting... Detroit's likely starting tight end at pick uh, 200 for the fantasy playoffs. So um, that's my case for Laporta. I'm going to cheat. I'm going to cheat. Jarek McKinnon. <laughs> no, that's, that's just given me, that's given me 10 points at running it's back. So much team. equity you're getting. That's a yeah. full bone cheating. I, I can't believe I didn't think of that. That's such an obvious answer. <laughs> Well, maybe you guys need to study a little thing called game theory. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I'll go Jonathan Mingo. That's a good going. one. I mean, that's that's good. You both, you're getting a little bit of built-in steam there. And uh, it's also a good one. Like he cheat. is gonna rise. We I like we're we're all just gaming. None of these are helpful to anybody. We're just we're just gaming. No, that is now. that is helpful because there are risers that we don't like. There are guys who are gonna rise in cost that we do not like that are not our favorite values. That's fair. I mean, I I Mingo is sort of one of them, but I think I genuinely think that like he's a guy where it could get away from us as you know, people who might prefer to fade Jonathan Mingo. This could be a Damian Pierce situation where you're like, this dude's going in the sixth round. What the fuck is going on? But like, he's the coaches are talking him up. The projections are like, I mean, he's he's gonna have like you know, twenty one percent target share on this team or whatever. Like, there's no other competition. Like, you know, like, yeah, I just I just don't want to pay the price um, that I think this guy could end up having once it's clear that they plan to install him as their top target. And I think they probably do plan to do that because they just drafted him very early in the second round. Yeah. I think one of the biggest lessons for me in doing the show just at the offseason is like the guys who show up as risers one week, they're going to be risers the next week and maybe even the week after. Like it's just kind of how it happens. So there's some game theory or whatever logic and just chasing chasing the risers um, as they continue to move up. Uh, but yeah. This is the, uh, the Jedi meme where it's like, I, like the I I would go after the guys who go up, and then it's like no, what you really want to do is buy low, and then the, the <laughs> other side is just just take the risers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you take the guys that are falling, you're just gonna you're gonna you're gonna lose CLV probably in, in yeah. the long run. Um, awesome. Anyways, guys, anything um, coming up, Pat, for you on legendary upside uh, that you want to um, tell the people? Yeah, so I'll be doing. Uh, 
a mailbag show with Davis here in like 40 minutes. It won't be live. It'll you'll be able to enjoy it around uh, this evening. It'll is when it'll actually go live. Um, and then, but that's a dynasty mailbag pod talking with Kevin Cole, doing some draft takeaways this week. I'm going to be doing a show with Eric Vime for later in the week. Um, talk on that would be on the, the spike week YouTube, I believe. Um, but yeah, over at legendary upside, uh, we, what I would suggest is if you go to legendaryupside.com slash early, that'll get you $30 off your first year. It will also make you eligible for some perks that I am announcing probably within the next 24 hours. So uh, go ahead and uh, and go ahead and sign up. Sounds good. Davis, anything uh, coming up for you? Oh, best ball rankings I'm going to have live very soon as well. Yeah, I'm getting I'm getting rankings put together right now that I'll get put out there and uh, take cast, sports grid, fantasy football podcast, all that good stuff. And we'll, uh, you know, we'll just keep chasing Jarek McKinnon and Rashi Rice up those boards. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> all right. We will be back next week. See you guys. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.